Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 338. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Today, I want to quickly cover with you the current media narrative for the month. You know, as we get into September and October, that it is inevitable that we're going to have some kind of a market crash or a stock market correction. Listen, you can say anything with statistics. And right now, the media is really focusing on the fact that this time of the year tends to be extremely volatile towards the downside until we get into, say, November, when generally we end up with some kind of an end-of-year Santa Claus rally. Well, I take exception with that because the way I interpret the data is that, yes, there does tend to be more downside volatility in September and October. But that's based on the fact that when things go bad during this time of the year, they tend to go really bad. So it isn't that there's more of a probability that the stock market is going to go down during September and October. It's just that when things go bad for the stock market during September and October, they tend to go really bad. So is the glass half full or half empty? Right now, I'm not concerned and I don't think that there's going to be an inevitable market correction over the next six weeks or so. Now, there could be. I have no idea. I can't predict the future. But the contrarian in me tends to take the other side of the argument so that when all the people are anticipating an inevitable market correction, to me that generally says that the probability is much lower that there will be a market correction because everybody's already discounting it. And so since right now we're already halfway through September, I really think it's less likely to happen. And if it does happen... I'll do what I've done for a long time now, which is use available cash to buy the dip. Because as I read the data, I think we are still in an overall secular uptrend, especially for the stocks that are focused on the reopening and not for those that have been favored by the shutdown. In fact, not only am I holding my existing positions and adding to them, but yesterday I bought two additional stocks for my portfolio. That was Ford Motor Company and Silvergate Capital Management. If you subscribe to my free alert and blog post notification, then you should have gotten an email last night telling you about the purchases that I made. And by the way, if you signed up for that email notification but you're not receiving it, then check your spam folder because it's most likely ending up there. So besides the fact that I'm contrarian and if everybody else is anticipating a pullback, I think it's less likely to happen. Why else am I not concerned that the stock market is about to correct? Well, again, it's when I look at the data and I ignore the headlines, I see that overall, on a secular basis, corporate profits tend to still be very strong. And to the extent that growth projections and profitability have been downgraded, that's only because the Delta variant has put up a speed block and has slowed down the overall reopening trade. So that doesn't mean that things won't eventually continue to get better. It'll just take a little longer. The risk-reward trade-off for investing in those reopening stocks still remains very favorable for, you know, something in the neighborhood of 15 to 30% upside somewhere into the not-too-distant future. Now, I don't know if that's in three months or six months or eight months, but I think that that's the way that it will eventually play out because all of the boogeyman fears to scare people that a correction is just around the corner, they continue to be wrong. In fact, look at what happened just today. As I record this, most of the major markets 
are actually down. And the reason they're down is because the core inflation numbers are actually better than anticipated. And so as a result of that, for example, today the financial sector is down about 1.5%, simply because that means, well, if there's not enough inflation, then interest rates won't go up, and banks and other financial lending institutions won't be able to profit as much because they won't be able to make as much money if the spread is smaller on interest rates. I look at that and I say, so what? I'm not going to sell my Capital One or my Goldman Sachs or my J.P. Morgan or any of the other financial type equities that I own, or for that matter, any of the other material or industrial or energy related stocks that I may own that again, they're down today maybe more than 1% because inflationary fears aren't as bad as expected. Remember, I didn't buy these to begin with because I was worried about hyperinflation. I simply bought them because from a value perspective, I thought that things like financials and energy and industrials and materials would continue to do well as the economy continued to reopen, regardless of whether there is or isn't a lot of inflation. Let's just look at something simple like oil prices. Right now, I don't think the petroleum industry is being affected one way or the other by inflationary pressures either up or down. I think it all has to do with the general slowdown we've seen because of the resurgence, or I guess actually the continued problems we have with COVID-19 because of the Delta variant. At the beginning of this summer, when most of the mask and the social mandating restrictions were either relaxed or totally eliminated, well, with all that physical contact and interaction, you could assume that there would be a higher rate of infection. And then when you throw in the Delta variant, that just made things worse. And as we head into the traditional flu season, it's likely that those infection rates could continue to rise before they finally peak and wane. And so the economy's slowing down. There's less air travel. There's less fuel consumption. There's less activity in the hospitality and recreational areas of the economy. That's bad news for energy. That's bad news for the reopening type trade stocks. But it's not the end of the world. Right now, air travel, domestic air travel in the United States is down by about 25%. Global air travel is down by some 60%. In spite of that, West Texas Intermediate Crude is still selling at over $70 a barrel. Now, that's not because there's a lack of petroleum. There's plenty of oversupply in oil right now. But OPEC Plus and the big oil companies have been able to successfully have discipline and curtail production so that overall, supply and demand is favoring higher prices, even though there's still a glut of of oil out there. As air travel opens up and more and more petroleum products are used for jet fuel, they'll continue to ease up the production. And so is oil going to go to $100 a barrel? I doubt it. But at the same time, I don't think it's dropping to $30 either. And if you look at the price disparity of where individual oil company stock prices are compared to where the price of oil is, I think there's a lot of favorable upside there. Because at some point, we will get back to much higher levels of demand for petroleum products. And since there's been such a reduction in the investment of exploration and production of new oil sources, that it's very likely that the pendulum will swing the other way and we actually will have higher demand than supply. So in the future, there will be more demand for energy, 
the economy will be recovering and there'll be a need to raise interest rates. And I'm not talking about drastically. Even if we double interest rates from where we are right now, they're still going to be well below 3%, which is an extremely favorable rate on the 10-year treasury. So that'll allow financial institutions to make more money, but it'll still keep the interest rate low enough where businesses will still have access to capital and be able to continue to modernize and improve productivity in their businesses. And the reopening snowball will just continue to grow. Now, again, my optimism doesn't mean that the market won't drop 10 or 15% tomorrow. I have no idea if that'll happen. But if there is a correction in the next six weeks or so, I think it's far more likely to be a 5 to a 15% correction versus a 20 to 30% bear market. There are still too many good things happening in the economy, too much free money floating around, very affordable interest rates and access to cash, and overall, I believe, better growth opportunities for the reopening type stocks. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't any problems out there, but I don't think that they're insurmountable, nor do I think that a market correction or a market crash is inevitable. Right now, the S&P 500 as an index is only off of its record high by about a little more than 2%. Could it drop down and hit its 50 or 100-day moving average or, or maybe all the way down to 4,000 and drop down to the 200-day moving average? Yeah, absolutely, it could do that. But generally, the personality of this market, despite all the negative headlines and the reoccurring headwinds that keep coming up to dampen the reopening, for the past year, the S&P 500 has only dropped down to its 100-day moving average once or twice. That was about this time last year, getting into that October-November pre-presidential uncertainty that we had because of the election. And you could use the rationale that we hear right now to be negative this time last year. And you could have been worried about the outcome of the election. But had you done that and you panicked and you sold rather than buying the dip at the 100-day moving average, you would have missed out on a substantial run-up, especially in the reopening stocks, which are up about 50% in the last 10 months. And think about it. That was the darkest days as far as the COVID death rate. December of 2020 and January of 2021, when the reopening stocks were skyrocketing in value. That was when we saw the greatest COVID deaths, which in some cases were in excess of 4,000 COVID deaths per day. And yet the reopening stocks went up. Look at the way the Delta variant has peaked and waned in India, where it originated. Look at the way the Delta variant has peaked and waned in the United Kingdom. That will eventually happen here. And I know there'll be another variant that comes along, but eventually they all peter out. And the companies that survived are going to come through this pandemic stronger because they've automated, they've cut back on their employees, and their productivity has increased. That's bad news for unemployed workers, but it's great news for shareholders if you own the right companies. Ha, but I digress. Getting back to the S&P 500 index. Yes, it's just a little bit off of its record high. It could easily drop 5, 10, 15%. That's always a probability. But even if that occurs and we get a bounce off the 50-day, the 100-day, or the 200-day moving average, the real value lies in the more value-oriented components of the S&P 500, those that have not been favored by the shutdown, those that have been hindered by the retarded reopening, 
And there are a lot of blue chip, high quality stocks that fit into that category. Right now, despite the fact that the S&P 500 is just a few percent off a record high, there's about 30% of the S&P 500 that have a price that's trading below their 200-day moving average. And more than 50% of the index is trading below its 50-day moving average. So again, you could look at that from the perspective of is that half full or half empty. I fall back on the optimistic outlook because the only thing that's keeping those companies from increasing their sales and their profitability is a lack of demand because of slowdown in the reopening. But the economy will reopen, will get to and exceed that prior demand because there's too much money floating around in the system and the pent-up demand, particularly for services and in-person type events, is extremely high. So I'm not worried about the Federal Reserve drastically raising interest rates and squelching this economy. I'm not worried about major political changes. Case in point, look at what Biden's doing with his tax-the-rich proposals. He's starting to walk those back. I'm not worried about vaccine mandates because I think for the most part, enough of the adult population is vaccinated and those that haven't been probably already have COVID natural immunity by now. And so the push for vaccinations, I think, is more of a political dividing point than anything to do with a health issue. And for right now, I remain confident enough in the U.S. economy that my real only concern for a drastic correction in the stock market or a move into a bear market, just a really change in personality of the overall direction of the economy, I think that threat is going to come from overseas and most likely come from China. But I'm out of time today and I can't talk about that, but I would definitely look towards what's happening in China and the clamp down on large private sector companies, especially those that are co-listed on the U.S. stock exchanges. That's where the biggest hazard to this economy is right now, but it's too soon to see if that situation is going to degrade further or whether the Chinese Communist Party has killed enough chickens to scare the monkeys. Well, hey, as always, thanks for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.